Well, I'm glad that you guys are here today. Let's take a seat, turn around, wave at someone, let them know you're glad that they're here today. Uh, as always, I am excited to share with you guys today. Um, and today's message I titled, Is God Keeping Secrets? Is God Keeping Secrets? Now, theologically, he's at least keeping one. Because the Bible does say in Matthew 24, 35, that the heaven and earth uh, shall pass away, but my words will not pass away. But of the day and the hour, no one knows, no, not the angels of heaven, but only my Father. But as the days of Noah were, so shall it be in the days of the, um, the coming of the Son of Man. So God does say that the, the day of the rapture, the time that, that he returns, is something that, that only he knows. So yes, there is at least a secret. But the real question that we're asking about ourselves is, is God secretive? So is God trying to keep truths from us? Or is he trying to show us as much as we can? The Bible says in Deuteronomy 29, 29, it says, The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but those which are revealed belong to us and to our children forever. And that we may do all the words of the law. And when you read that scripture, you can focus on, well, there are some things that God, only God knows. Or you can focus on the fact there are the things he wants us to know and to, to, to pass on to our children. How much does God want to be known? And I would say this, we can look at God two different ways. We can look at God as a father or as a magician. Now, I used to have a magic trick that I would use as an illustration right now, and I could not find my prop. So I'm going to go with a magic trick most of you guys understand. How many of you have ever seen the moving finger? All right. Do any of you remember what it was like the first time when you were a kid and you saw like your, your grandpa or your uncle or your parents do that trick and they showed you their finger and then it stretched out and you were just in shock and awe of how that worked? You were just like, whoa, how is it that his, his thumb can stretch like that? Well, most of us understand and know the trick if you're new to this. It's not the same thumb. There, there's a piece of information in order to make the trick work, I have to withhold from the... As soon as the kids see the back, well, then it kind of loses its fun. Anyone else ever see the one where you can crack your nose? Oh, yeah, that one. Okay. It's just a fingernail on your tooth. But it looks like... And as long as I've withheld information from you, well, then the mystery remains. And it looks impressive. Because I purposely didn't let you see everything that was going on. That's how almost all magic tricks work. Is it looks really cool because the magician is purposely keeping you from knowing everything that's going on. He has a plastic cap over his thumb or he's stuffing the, the handkerchief. Or, or there's always something about it that he's keeping hidden. And many people have that sort of perspective of God. Oh, 
his ways are so much higher than mine? Or is God like a father? The Bible does say in Isaiah 55, 9, it says, For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours, and my thoughts than your thoughts. God says, yes, just as the heavens are higher than the earth, my thoughts are higher than yours. Have any of you ever tried to explain the sunset to a three-year-old? He says, Daddy, why is it so pretty? Well, actually, son, this has to do with the refracting of light. And you see, as the sun goes down and it hits the, the atmosphere, certain light bends at different... Does a three-year-old get any of that? No. I mean, you understand how the sun... It's the prism effect. But a three-year-old doesn't understand this. And as a father, when your three-year-old asks a question that they don't have the capacity to understand, are you being secretive when you don't explain it? Or when you put it in terms they can understand? See, God is our heavenly father. And I submit to you that God wants us to understand. And when his thoughts are higher than, th than our thoughts, there are times when we are like a three-year-old trying to understand the sunset. And he is, he is telling us as much as we can grasp. But many of us have this other perspective that he is hiding even what I could understand from me. Let's, let's read 1 Corinthians chapter 2. This, this is good. It says in verse 11, For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. So it sounds like, hey, you can't know everything God knows. But let's look at the next verse, verse 12. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. He says, your spirit knows what you know. And the spirit of God knows what God knows. And then he says, I have put the spirit of God in you so that you might know. Interesting, that doesn't sound like God is trying to keep us from knowing. In fact, verse 13, it says, These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. But... He who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. This is Paul addressing this issue. He says there are things that we must be in spirit to understand. There are things that require spiritual discernment. And God so desires us to understand those things. And he recognizes 
that without his help, they would be out of our reach. But he gives us the Holy Spirit who teaches us these things, and he has given us his mind so that we can know. So that we can know. Why is it so important to God that we know him? What is the point? And I would say it's because of the benefits that knowing God brings. Hebrews 11 verse 6 says this, But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So here this verse tells us, in order to please God, I need two things. I need to have faith, and I need to believe that he rewards those who seek him. Where does faith come from? How do I have faith? Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. God desires us to have faith. It is pleasing to God when we have faith. And faith comes from hearing. And hearing comes from the word of God. See, God is desiring us to know more because he desires our faith to grow. Do you realize you can't have faith for salvation if you don't know that God saves? How can you have faith for healing until you know that God heals? How do you have faith for financial blessing unless you know that God blesses? How would you have faith in prayer until you know that God hears your prayers? You see, in order to have faith, we have to learn about who and what God is. The better I know God, the more I can receive what he has for me. I, say that with me. The better I know God, the more I can receive what he has for me. This is big. There are so many people who have this mysterious magician view of who God is. Oh, God works in mysterious ways. Yes, they're mysterious like a sunset to a three-year-old. But God wants us to know him. And when, when we just write him off as mysterious, oh, you'll we'll never know what, why, when, where, how, what, well, who knows. Then so many people don't even try to understand the things God wants them to understand. Because they've, they've relegated God to this big, mysterious magician in the sky. Oh, you could never have a clue what he's going to do, when he's going to do it, why he might do it. Let's look at some stories in the Bible. In Mark 10, it says, Jesus went out of Jericho, or excuse me, as he went out of Jericho, with his disciples and a great multitude, including blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the road begging. And when he heard, there's the key, when he 
heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out, saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Then many warned him, be quiet. But he cried all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. So Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. And then they called the blind man, saying, be of good cheer, rise, he is calling you. And throwing aside his garment, he arose and he came to Jesus. And so Jesus answered him and said, what do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, Rabboni, that I might receive my sight. Then Jesus said to him, go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. So the blind man received his sight, how? By faith. He said, Jesus told him, your faith has made you well. But where did his faith come from? Did he just get randomly smacked with a comet full of faith? The Bible says he heard. What had he heard? Well, he heard that Jesus was coming. I think we can probably understand he must have heard a little more than that. He must have heard about other places where Jesus had been. Perhaps other blind people who had received their sight. Other miracles that had been done. And the more he heard, the more confident he became that out there somewhere is someone who could, would, and wants me well. And when Jesus came, he called out. And when Jesus healed him, Jesus said, hey, this is because... You had faith. And he had faith because he heard. He had learned about Jesus, and that caused him to grow in faith. In Mark chapter 2, verse 1, we have another story. And it says, and again, he entered Capernaum after some days. And it was heard, it was heard that he was in the house. Immediately many gathered so that there was no longer room to receive them, not even near the door. And he preached the word to them. Then they came to him, bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was, so that when they had broken through, they let him down, or let down the bed on which the paralytic was laying. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven you. And we know the rest of the story. He was healed. He got up. Now, Jesus saw their faith. Again, Jesus talks about their faith. But where did their faith come from? They heard that Jesus was there. They also must have heard that people were being healed. Why else would you... Get four of your friends to come drag you up, then carry you up to the top of the building, rip somebody's roof open. I don't know, just a random thought. Let's just do that today. No, they heard what Jesus was doing on other circumstances, other occasions, and then they recognized, hey, if he did it then, he could do it again. And when those people saw the pattern of his behavior and expected him to be 
consistent with what they heard, Jesus called them, called that faith. He said, your faith has made you well. And when he saw their faith. So what is it that God wants us to know? God does desire to be known. Here's the thing. I, I, I want, I, I deeply hope that nobody leaves here still with that mysterious magician in the sky who doesn't want to be understood. God desires that we know him. Now, obviously, there are aspects of who he is that are so beyond our comprehension that we will struggle to understand them. But that's not him trying to be unknowable. That's just us and our limitations trying to understand an infinite God. <clears throat> the truth is, he has given us his mind and his spirit to assist us beyond what we could have ever done on our own in knowing him. What does he want us to know? Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 9 through 11 says, Therefore, know that the Lord your God, he is God, the faithful God who keeps covenant and mercy for a thousand generations with those who love him and keep his commandments. And he repays those who hate him for their faith to destroy them. He will not be slack with him who hates him. He will repay him to his face. Therefore, you shall keep the commandments, the statutes and the judgments, which I have commanded you to today to observe them. So here's the list of what we are encouraged to know. First, that he is God. Sounds like Hebrews 11, doesn't it? Must know that he is. Know that he is God. And then it says, know that he is faithful. What does it mean to be faithful? If someone, if a spouse is faithful, what does that mean? A spouse who is faithful remains consistent in their commitment to their spouse. A faithful spouse is consistent. If you have, this is just what came to my mind, a gun. A gun that is faithful is a gun that doesn't misfire. A gun that can be counted on in the moment of a hunt to fire and not to misfire. When, when we look at something as faithful, what we're saying is the way it is consistent and predictable. Now, there's a word that most of us aren't used to using with God. That God is predictable. But what was he saying when he said, hey, know that I am faithful? He says also that he keeps his covenant. And that his mercies are lasting. If God says, I want you to know that I'm faithful. I'm consistent. I want you to know that I keep my promises and my covenant. I also want you to understand that I have lasting mercy. Oh, and I also, I repay those who love me and obey me. And that he repays those who do evil. 
What is the point of faith, recognizing faithfulness? It's so that we can anticipate continued behavior. A lot of people, this is so new, such a new concept to think that God wants us to anticipate his behavior. But that is what his word says. He says, I want you to look at the promises that I have made you and the promises I have kept for you, to you and to others, and I want you to anticipate that I will do that again. That is faith. God desires to be known because, and he wants us to recognize his faithfulness because he wants us to trust that he hasn't changed and that the promises he kept to the people we read in the scripture about in the scripture he will keep to us and when we go to church and we hear a testimony about the promises that he kept to someone else in the church we wouldn't think well there goes the magician god just doing something random kind for somebody too bad he'll never do that for me you know that's the way some people think ah oh, lucky guy God blessed that person. I wonder if I'll be that lucky someday. That's not, that's not what God asks us to do. He says, know that I am faithful. Believe that I'm consistent. Recognize that I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. Why does he want us to know that? Just trivia? Just, by the way. What? You know, so, sometimes, I think in the news, they were, they were interviewing our new president. What, what's his favorite ice cream? What difference does that make? But sometimes we're looking at this stuff in the Bible, and we're like, well, the Bible's telling me things about God. I guess I'll just, you know, chalk that up as just, Random information about God. No. No. He is teaching you these things for a reason. He's not just telling you that he's faithful just so that, you know, oh, trivia. No, he says, I want you to understand that I am faithful because I want you to have faith that I have been faithful with them. I'll be faithful with you. When... When the blind man heard the stories about what Jesus was doing and then expected that God would do the same in his life, Jesus didn't get upset. How dare you expect something from me? That wasn't Jesus' response. Jesus was pleased. The Bible says in Hebrews 11... That if we want to please God, we must believe that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So many people struggle with it. You, you, mean, you mean God wants me to expect him to keep his promises? I'm allowed to, to hope for something from God, to, to believe for something from God, to maybe even expect something from God? God is asking you to. He is telling you to. He says, know that I am faithful. And he's telling us that for a reason. 
I titled this, Is God Keeping Secrets? Because my goal, of course, we've, we've covered it. My goal isn't to say there isn't a single thing that God knows that he's not trying to tell. Yeah, he, he, he knows some things that we don't know. But God isn't secretive. God isn't a mysterious magician in the sky trying to keep us in the dark, keep us guessing. Many of us may have grown up thinking there is something wrong with expecting and anticipating God's behavior. We may have been taught that there was something presumptuous about believing that God would keep his promises. That somehow we're, we're not supposed to believe for anything and simply hope that perhaps we'll get lucky. But that is not what we see over and over in Scripture. Jesus says in Hebrews 13.8, he says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God wants us to learn enough about him that we to a degree, can know and even anticipate what he will do and what he is like. The reason that I'm, I'm so passionate about explaining that is because I think that there, there has been a rise in an, an opposite understanding. It's important to recognize that our faith is based in our knowledge and in our ability to know God. God has answers. God's word contains answers. There is, there is a, a thinking that's labeled postmodernism that says answers can't be trusted, only questions can. Have you ever seen this? Too many people profess to have answers in order to manipulate you. So, if someone claims to have an answer, be very suspicious. But if they only have a question, well, you can probably trust them because <laughs> don't we all? Right? And so, with that, in, in society, we get this celebration of ignorance. Anybody who stands up and says, hey, let's do this because... They'll say, hey, you need, to, you need to watch out for answers. People with answers are trying to manipulate you. Let's follow the person who claims they don't know. Because at least we can trust they're probably sincere. They're as confused as we are. They're not trying to manipulate us. Be comfortable with not knowing... And, you know, there, there can be. There, has someone ever tried to manipulate someone with a bad answer, with the wrong answer? Absolutely. But can I tell you something? That's not God. That's not what God is doing. And people have taken that, and then they look and they apply it to God, and they say, you know what? I don't, I don't want that. I'm, I'm going to be as mysterious and unknowable. God is... God is mysterious. He doesn't want me to understand. He just wants me to, to guess. That's, that's not it. That whole idea that you can't be certain of what you know and that the goal is not to understand but just to accept, just be okay with whatever's confusing and celebrate questions. 
it leads to a description of God as a God who is purposely unknowable. God's goal becomes to surprise us with his ever unknowable and unexpected or unexpectable behavior. The idea is that God is sovereign and therefore cannot be known. And to think we could ever anticipate his response would diminish his sovereignty. That is an imbalance. Because God has said, I want you to know me. I want you to see my faithfulness. I want you to understand me so much so that I am giving you my spirit and my mind to know and understand me with. Can you see how different those two perspectives are? And how powerful it is to have a biblical understanding of God? Do I know everything about God? No! I'm your pastor and I don't know it all. But I invite you to join me as we learn as much as possible. Because that is what God has invited us to do. He says, know that I am a rewarder of those who diligently seek me. When I stand up here and I encourage you to look in Scripture and see what God has done and then expect that the same God who did that for them wants to do it for you, I believe I am doing exactly what God has asked me to do. God is amazing. He is so much beyond what we can comprehend. But he desires for us to comprehend as much as possible. He says, know me. See that I am consistent. See that I am, I am trustworthy. See and know Man, my God wants me to understand. He is, I'm like the little three-year-old. God, why is, why is the sunset so beautiful? God comes down and he says, well, I would explain to you all about the prism effect and whatever, but I just want you to understand that each night when the sun goes down and there are clouds out there, then you get a beautiful sunset. And when you're older, I'll tell you more. And then as we grow in maturity, God reveals more and more levels of his faithfulness and our understanding. And he gives us his spirit and his mind so that we can know and understand. Why? Because without faith, it is impossible to please God. But where does that faith come from? How do I grow? How many of you want more faith? Hey, me too. Comes by hearing. Not just any old thing. But hearing the word of God. Seeing the truth of who God is was what God has done 
And then recognizing, hey, there's a pattern there, and I can expect that faithfulness to continue. To me, realizing that God desires that I would see him as consistent to a predictability level is big. God wants me to look and say, yeah, you've done that. You'll do it again. You did that for her or for him, so you would do that for me. The Bible says he is no respecter of persons. What does that mean? He doesn't have favorites. Just newsflash, I'm not God's favorite. It's my wife. We were in Alaska, and she did not want to encounter a bear. I wanted to see a bear. She prayed we wouldn't see one. I was kind of praying we would. At the end of the trip, she said, well, I guess we now know who's God's favorite. But in reality, he loves us both. He loves me the same as he loves you. When we look in Scripture and we see that, that he healed the blind Bartimaeus, that he, he healed the paralytic, those weren't God's favorites. When we come to church and we get around other believers, one of the purposes for coming together is to share what God is doing in our lives. Do you realize you came to church today to hear more than just me. You came to church to be around other people who are living faith-filled lives, who God is being faithful in their lives. Before service, I talked with someone who shared about how they were looking for an apartment. Came to church that week, they got it, and they said, hey, that was encouraging to me. You know what? I hope someone else bumps into them, gets to hear that story too. And they, hey, God, God helped me to get the apartment I'm looking for. Great. What else is God doing in your life? And what, as, as we get around each other, we're, we're looking to learn and to hear. Just like those people in the Bible stories heard. Yeah. I heard Jesus was coming. I heard that this is what happened. I heard that. And so I went to him expecting that he would do what he did before. It is not wrong to go to God expecting him to be faithful. Some of you need to hear that. Some of you may have had that mindset that to expect anything of God was somehow wrong and presumptuous. God says, please expect me to be faithful. This is what I want you to do. If you don't expect me to be faithful, if you don't recognize that I'm faithful and don't expect me to be faithful, and Hebrews 11 even says, it even uses the word reward. How scandalous is that? 
that we could expect something beneficial from God. And we recognize it's not that we should be seeking these things simply for our own selfish gain. But we're in a relationship with God. He is our Heavenly Father. Is, it, is there something wrong with a child who expects their parents to want them to be taken care of, well-fed, healthy, smart, happy? Oh, how dare that child think that their mom and dad want them to be happy? No, we would never think that. And Jesus, over and over, he says, look at me like that. He compares himself to a, an earthly parent. And he says, hey, if an earthly parent would not give a snake to their child when he asked for food, a scorpion when they asked for an egg, how much more would I? God says, I want you to seek to know me. Not just for trivia's sake. You know, as, as, as we prepare, I say we, I, I'm speaking of, of ministers, people who, whose job it is to prepare. There are so many things we could talk about. I mean, the Bible is full of so many things. And sometimes I listen to ministers and I'm wondering, why did you pick the fourth horse of the apocalypse for your topic today? There are so many things that we can know. One of my goals is choosing things that, that as we learn them, apply to our life. We can say, hey, as I grow in my understanding about God's knowableness and his faithfulness, this will help me to grow in my faith. And as my faith grows, so is my ability to receive the promises that God has for me. God wants you. Say this with me. God wants me to know him. Man, so that I can receive his promises. That's the reason. He wants us to know and understand him. I'm going to end with that. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you. We thank you that you are no respecter of persons. I thank you that you love us, that you have purposes and plans for each and every person here. I pray that you would reveal to us those purposes. I ask that you would help us to notice your fulfilled promises in our lives and in the lives of those around us. Lord, I pray that you would lead us in your word to your attributes, especially to the ones that apply to the situations that we are each living in. Lord, I pray that you would help each and every one of us grow to know you so that we can expect you to be faithful. May our faith grow. I declare that blessing over each and every person here. In Jesus' name.
Amen. The first thing that God wants us to know about him is how much he loves and cares for us. The Bible says that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He wants to forgive us our sins. The Bible says that, that we have been separated by sin. And then he offers his forgiveness. The Bible says in Romans 10, 9 and 10, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus died on the cross and believe in your heart that he rose from the dead, you will be saved. How many of you have confessed with your mouth and believed with your heart and you know that your sins are forgiven? So glad. If you're watching from home today or if you're here in this room today and you don't know that your sins are forgiven, I want to make sure you have that opportunity to do precisely what that scripture says. And we don't have to wonder. We can be confident knowing that God will fulfill his promise to forgive your sins, that you will be right with God on your way to heaven and in a relationship with him. If that's you and you want to ask forgiveness, I want to invite everyone, I close just for a moment. I want to ask you to raise your hand and we're going to pray together. In case there's someone joining us at home, let's all pray the prayer along with them. Say it with me. Say, dear God, I believe that you sent your son who lived a perfect life, but who died on the cross for no sin of his own, but for my sin. I believe that he rose from the dead, and I accept your forgiveness. I choose to live my life for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.